We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Yeah, I guess. I mean, a little bit. I haven't really thought about it, you know what I'm saying? Because I haven't played the back. Nah, uh, I wasn't thinking about it like that because, I mean, my opponent changes each and every week as far as like, uh, I used to play them in the past. So it wasn't like something I anticipated him, I don't know, doing what he did. I didn't anticipate that. I I don't know who started it. I finished it. You know what I'm saying? I got a one. I got the win. It's not a, uh, I don't deal with more victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles because this is not a one-on-one game. We're not out there playing seven on seven, and this is not one on ones. If that's the case, I'm by myself. But it's a team effort. You know what I'm saying? I got a dub. I feel like uh, at the end of the day, there are no more victories. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was wide receiver Stefan Diggs from his post game press conference over at what was that CBS Sports. No, buffalobills.com. Buffalobills.com. You send me horrible audio, then I go get the good stuff from the team website. That's how that works. Did yours include the profanity? They don't include profanity on the... Of course not. ...on the Bills website. Of course not. And I guess that's... I'm going to open a Montucky and forget this transgression. Folks, we are here talking about the Buffalo Bills Week 8 recap... Bills 27, Packers 17. Chris, easily one of the coolest, what, 48-hour periods? Like, for, if you think about our lives as a whole. Wait, so what do you, when you, yeah, are you talking 48-hour period into Monday? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, good. Because, I mean, the Sabres won 8 to eight to 3. Yes. Tell <laughs> me that Sunday to Monday... Wasn't one of the best 48 hours of your recent life? For me, it was. And you can include Thursday night into that, too. Even for me, it wasn't so bad. It's all been fun. So, guys, as we look at this, I want to give you the stats of the game. 
From the top, Josh Allen, 13 to 25 for 52%, 218 and two touchdowns, two interceptions, two sacks, a 75.1 rating. Aaron Rodgers, 19 to 30, 63%, 203, two touchdowns, one pick, two sacks, 91.4 for a rating. Rodgers, 13 of his 19 completed passes were less than four yards from the line of scrimmage. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs, 108 yards, one touchdown, 6.5 average yards of cushion, according to NFL Next Gen stats. Chris, remember all of our talk about soft coverage last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally, you see Stephon Diggs out there on the boundary. Against slot corner Rasul Diggs, 3 of 3 for 85 yards in a tutty. James Cook. Second on the team in yards after the catch on a single reception with three missed tackles forced on a single play. Three. Five total missed tackles for the game. Six, actually. Now that I'm thinking about the game, now that I'm thinking about the chart. Packers linebackers McDuffie and Wilson. Everyone goes, who the fuck are you talking about? They played 68% of the snaps in this game due to injury and ejection. They have just 69 total snaps for the entire season. By comparison, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds have more than 350 snaps apiece. The Bills' defensive backs, 46 total yards after the catch allowed. As a unit, (laughs) the defensive backs allowed 46 yards after the catch. Three different Bills' wide receivers posted more than 20 yaks. I like it. I like everything. I like everything about all of this, and it, it's just been a great series of days. You know, go back to Thursday night, Chris. Let's talk about that for you. Wait, what do you want to know about Thursday? What you're saying, if we can include Thursday. You talking about the Sabres? No, I was talking about uh, EJ being over here. Yes. I did text your wife. Yes. That I, this is like it's the ultimate Kyle Trimble situation. <laughs> you mean to you mean to tell me you invited a man over that you met on the internet? Yes. You mean to tell me that you met a man on the internet who generally lives in the northwest and he flew over flew to Buffalo and you're letting him in your home owned by your girlfriend? Yeah. You don't even own the home yet. <laughs> And yet you're letting some stranger from the internet into your house. Yeah, I had him come in. He was... EJ Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast recorded his Thursday night live stream with Brett Coleman here from our studio. Yeah, he's got family that lives in Buffalo, so he came in a little bit early. We offered him the studio if he needs it for the live stream. He came over. I set everything up. He said it was better than his setup in his basement. At his house, and that he took a few ideas. Well, the best part about that is that not only did did he record his Thursday night live stream from here, but then Monday, after all the shenanigans we're about to talk about, Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder, from the table I'm sitting at, right, like basically where I'm sitting right now is where Brett Coleman was sitting. The two of them sat here and did their podcast, the Bootleg Football Podcast for the week. 
I love the fact that Montucky just gets like a huge. It's like, guys, I know we give you product placement because we love you guys. Mm-hmm. We love your beer. I think it's worth noting that in cleaning out the cooler after the tailgate, there was no Montuckys left, but there was like a dozen Miller Lights. What does that tell you? I'll tell you. It tells you that I took the Montuckys out of the cooler in front of you. And I brought them back because I didn't know how much. I knew I was on a low count at the house. And I knew that I could take them back so I didn't have to drive out to Premier. So then they come down here to do, like, they're used to our product placement. Like, we, they went like hotcakes at the tailgate. There was probably less than 10 left out of two cases. I have, like, half a case of Miller Lights left. But then it gets better because be, because the bootleg guys were here, obviously they're going to do the show from our studio. They fall in love with Chris's liquor collection. Their, their shot of the day, they literally had to spend a considerable amount of time trying to figure out of how many bottles of bourbon do you have now? Oh, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50. <laughs> it took them a while. Can we just point out that last, it might have been last July because it, now I don't think you got me anything last July for my birthday because you're an asshole. But the year before, I remember you showed up to my apartment with gin because you claimed that I had too much bourbon, which was like 10 to 15 bottles. And I knew that you made gin drinks. So I was like, well, I'll switch it up a little bit. Now that I understand the mania, it's all bourbon all the time. Yeah, you never can never have enough. I made... I made Brett a old-fashioned after they recorded their podcast on Monday. He and went I'm, trick-or-treating with you. Him yeah, he did. He, trick-or-treating he, with you and Brett, your, and Brett came trick-or-treating with me <laughs> and Jessica It's the most surreal thing Benny. in the world. Yeah. They were like, Drew, what are, you, what are your plans tonight? You, let's go out and watch the game. I go, fuck no. I gotta, I, I'm taking my kid trick-or-treating. He's finally old enough to enjoy this. I'm going to do that. So then I left. Unbeknownst to me, I figured they were going to go out and have a night out on the town here in Buffalo. I come back to I come back here tonight to record. It turns out they just wandered the neighborhood with craft cocktails along with Chris. It just <laughs> Jessica made EJ it's the most surreal thing in the world. Jessica made EJ coffee because Jess loves coffee, <laughs> loves coffee, only drinks it black. That's her only method of drinking coffee. And so I made EJ a old fashioned. And he was impressed, or I made Brett an old-fashioned, and he was impressed that I had, like, an actual rock that I carve. Mm -hmm. Take time to do that. I used the Blue Note, 121 and a half proof, and then I used chestnut syrup. And I love that while they did their show here, Montucky got, like, prime product placement. They actually drank a couple during the show, which is hilarious. Like, you're welcome, Montucky. See what you get. Look at it. Yeah. See, sometimes you stumble onto a couple idiots who know a thing or two and know some people. Mm-hmm. Speaking of knowing some people, the tailgate, easily one of the best in my entire life. One of the best. The, the, like, I've been doing this for a long time, so this isn't hyperbole. Easily one of the best. Huge thank you to everybody who, who attended uh, and everybody who wanted to attend and couldn't make it. We put in a 16-hour shift on Sunday. That's crazy. 
16 hours on a day dedicated to tailgating and football. Jay and Mark from Syracuse, who I just love these guys. They're forever impressing me with how quickly they're acclimating to the tailgate game. They got there almost as early as we did. TVs, generators, lights. They carved Go Bill's pumpkins and had candy out. Yeah. They bought a flagpole that I'm now buying. Like, I I had to go to Jay and be like, Jay, give me the deets on these because I need it. You surpass. Like, it's that moment when, like, like the sensei holds out his hand. He's like, take the pebble from my hand. Mm -hmm. And then the grasshopper steals it. I feel like they ran away from us this week. Yeah. And then they gifted you a four pack of beer. And then me, I got a, a goddamn bottle of whistle pig farm stock rye. It's incredible. They're they're great dudes, but also, I just love the fact that they are now part of this tailgate thing that we do. Then Cam shows up with booze and sausages. First of all, I still have, and I've been sipping on, I've been making little small guys at night. The little, he made his own homemade Bloody Mary mix with poblanos and all kinds of Peach. It's incredible. This guy's a mix, a, a legitimate mixologist with tequila. I hate tequila, or at least I did. Probably right up until I had that drink. Now I've been on a tequila kick for the last three days. I still got to make. I blame you, him for this. I still got to make you that cocktail I made with the ghost pepper vodka that Jake brought. Yes. For the Pittsburgh game, I'm still dialing in the ratios, but that is also a tequila and mezcal cocktail. Cam, get a hold of me. We got to talk about these sausages that you brought to the tailgate, and at the same time, we got to talk about. How we fashion this mixture of yours for these cocktails? I feel like you should be selling this stuff. Ben from Canada came down. Yep, he's been there all season. Eric Smeal and Andy Parks. They didn't even go to the game. They just came to hang out. I love seeing those guys, and love even more that they came just to hang. Yeah, just to just to be a part of L- Lieutenant Colonel. I want to get the rank right. Yuleberg from Florida. Mm -hmm. He brought a fucking whiskey buffet. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Washington flies in from Vegas with a smorgasbord of Kraft Meads Mm -hmm. and then makes chicken speedies. Like, John, that that might have been, like, all of these things, like, all these characters that we know and have talked, they all showed up for this game. Aren't you happy you took off work to be there? Yeah, yeah. Super Mexican showed up. Super Mexican randomly flew in. His wife used her air miles to send him. Yeah, so he flew in, and then you offered him the couch because he was flying out first thing in the morning. He was like, I don't know where to go. I go, you can sleep on the couch. And then uh, he DM'd us and politely declined. He wanted to sleep like a real Mexican that just crossed the border and sleep outside. God, we're going to get canceled so fast. It's it's still funny, though. I know he heard that, and he's laughing. Yeah. That's the funny thing. He heard that, and he's laughing. Just Kyle Washington is handing out Kraft Mead. Like, how classy is that? When's the last time you've been in a tailgate, and there's mead from across the country being handed out? I've never had mead before in my life. Yeah? You know what else has never happened before in your life? John Fina showing up to your tailgate, getting hammered, and letting people just wear his ring around. His AFC championship ring. That thing ended up in the hands of like nine to ten different people. So I went to, I walked over to the Mafia house and that um, that fucking tool that owns the Hammers lot. 
Because I know, I know he's an insufferable person. I know that there were a couple other content creators yeah. within Bill's Mafia that were in for the game, and I went looking for them and found nobody. And I came back, and John Fina's at the tailgate. I walked right up to him, and I asked him to leave. I asked Fina to leave the tailgate because that just pumps your ego. <laughs> so because you're just gonna you know, John Fina was at my tailgate. No one cares. No, I think that the, it's like I was telling Brett. I go, listen, here's the thing about John. Everyone adores this guy. He's he's personable. He's fun. He's knowledgeable. He loves talking about football. Everyone loves him. So I feel like I have to try to be the other side of the coin. I have to try to bring him down. Like, just knock him down a peg. Just a small peg every time I see him. And it's hilarious that I even think that because think about it. One of these guys, I don't know, they played in three Super Bowls. One of these guys has bad teeth and is currently eating a Kit Kat in a basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, the food. The food was just incredible. I mean, Bridget showed up with dips. That, that bread bowl dip that she baked herself. Mm-hmm. That was good. Andy Parks made a chicken and a buffalo chicken biscuit like little cup thing mm-hmm. that made the bootleg football tailgate. Yeah. That's how much Brett liked it. Uh, my tri-tip, Iman's barbecue, I, I don't know. There's the video on Twitter of Brett using his, what, his, like, well, how long is that? There was, like, a 30-inch zoom lens. Yeah, it's like a, prof- like a professional lens that you see on the sideline of My wife was like, the NFL. Food Network doesn't look this intricate. And yeah. he just shot a, a slow-motion video of me slicing tri-tip. It was amazing. The whole day was great. And just getting to see all of these people have all of these experiences and just the camarad- the shared camaraderie around this one thing. The whole thing's surreal, isn't it? And then to think a football game took place, and that's not even the crown jewel of the night. Yeah. Not even the crown jewel of the weekend. The fact that I got to catch up with Yulberg and his dad and meet those guys and just, it's all very surreal. And I want to give a huge thank you to everybody who was a part of it because it really did make... Like that, if we don't win a Super Bowl, that'll go down as the highlight of my season. Yeah, per, I, I, it won't get better than that for me. I mean, it, it well, you don't know. You don't know. What if we're hosting the AFC title game and that's a six forty kickoff? So we get out there at what five a.m. Yeah, normal time. <laughs> Put in another sixteen hour. Shift. Normal time, another sixteen hour. Uh, so if we're gonna. We obviously can't just sit here and talk about tailgate shenanigans that other people... Uh, Chris, this is why we're bad podcasters. We just talk about things that we know about. That tailgate was awesome. Yep. Uh, Kyle Washington put on Facebook, get, get you a girl who looks at me the way Drew does. And I'm just giving him a kiss on the cheek. Because I was like, this will be funny. I love that guy. I love him. I'm not ashamed of it. But we can't sit here and talk about tailgate shenanigans for two hours. I mean, I could. An hour. No, I, could, I could do two hours. But realistically, because that's how much fun I had. Yeah, yeah. got to get to the game. I want to address, you know, you know, you never want to end on a bad note. So I'm going to start with this first. I, I walked out of that stadium feeling pretty good, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. We got home and unloaded everything. And then I fell asleep on the couch eating what was left of like a Hormel cheese and cracker platter that somebody brought. And I remember my wife saying to me before she went to bed, she was like, 
there's turkey and ham in the thing. Make a sandwich. And I was like, no, <laughs> the platter. I'll just sit here shirtless. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hasselhoff on the couch. I'll just Hasselhoff on the couch and just woof down this cheese platter. So it wasn't until Monday morning when I woke up to find out that a lot of you had beef with the way the Bills played defense. I understand carping about the offense in the second half. You can't score three points in two quarters with Josh Allen and have people be thrilled about it. No one's going to applaud your sense of execution. Generally speaking, that kind of thing should cost you a game. Just look around the NFL, Chris. Baltimore, three losses when leading by 10 points this season. The Lions were beating the Dolphins by 10 points at the half this weekend, but scored three fewer second-half points than Buffalo and lost that game pretty handily. And yet, that isn't the thing you guys are mad about. It's the defensive play. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Let's take a realistic look at the job the defense did now that we've all had some time to cool down. First of all, cons. Nine players graded negatively against the run. 208 yards in the ground rushing. Credited with 16 missed tackles and 10 first downs allowed to Green Bay running backs. Only two passing attempts downfield of more than 24 air yards for Aaron Rodgers. Both of them went for touchdowns. Yes, those things are rough. Especially the deep passing stats because this was a team that you knew, at least if you listened to last week's show, you knew that this was a team that wasn't going to take a lot of chances downfield. Just based on the conservative nature of their offense. And sure enough... Chris, their whole offense was predicated on throwing around the line of scrimmage. It, did, did it aggravate you watching it in person? Not really. Like, I get annoyed sometimes when I watch a team play the Bills and I go, the Bills are blowing you out. Can you at least try? And the reason it annoys me is because I know that somewhere there's an asshole making a million dollars more than I do who's getting to make these decisions. Somebody's getting paid to make that call. Like, hey, I guess in this case, it's Aaron Rodgers, which I can't really argue with. Now, I don't know. He just didn't take any chances. And he was incomplete on half of the passes that he tried more than five yards downfield. His arm might have netted them 14 points, but that that's not enough. To beat Josh Allen, is it? No. Okay. <laughs> that rushing attack did so much damage. I mean, Von Miller himself admitted they were caught off guard by how much the Packers leaned into the run and probably should have done more to adjust their game plan as the Buffalo Bills defense. But the question is, did it actually, quote-unquote, work? I don't know. Fourth and one conversion attempt, the cusp of the Bills' red zone failed in the fourth quarter, which just, our defensive line just avalanched their offensive line. Jordan Phillips collapsed everything. The linebacker, the, the, the linebackers swarm in and swallow up Aaron Jones for a two-yard loss on fourth and one. As a team, the Packers rushed for exactly 13 yards between the guards and behind center. 
And they wasted seven attempts figuring out over the course of the game that it was a bad idea. And despite the lopsided time of possession, they somehow ran the exact same number of drives as Buffalo. And three of them in a whopping 13 minutes and 58 seconds and 29 total plays and yet ended in two turnovers on downs and a missed field goal. <laughs> wow, you suck at this. A tweet from Andy Herman, owner of the Pack-A-Day podcast. If you would have told me the Packers put up almost 400 yards of offense, held Josh Allen to 13 of 25 passing, two touchdowns, two picks, won the turnover battle, ran for over 200 yards, and won the time of possession by over seven minutes, I would have told you I like Green Bay's odds. They lost by 10. (laughs) Not only did they lose by 10, but at any point, Chris, were you worried sitting there watching that football game? No, I remember having the discussion with you in the second half because you were like, oh, they're they're making a comeback. I go, here comes the comeback. And then there was a couple plays that I was like, oh, okay. No, and then I told you, when have you ever read a Monday morning headline that says Rodgers leads Packers from down 10 to win in the second half? Never. He's not. When Rodgers gets down, he's down and he stays down. He doesn't have a whole ton of comebacks. Now, is it his fault? As I sit here and eat a Halloween Kit Kat? Yeah, it, it, of course it's his fault. Or is it the talent around him? No, it's his fault. Because he's just, that's his, like, personality. Like, when he gets down on the offense and it's, the offense isn't call, getting called to his liking, then he j- just throws the game away. He can only play with the lead. Talking to you and just watching the way that that's, so like, the pick-for-pick pick scenario. Yeah. But get right there told me. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to be worried about this. Because legitimately, this team can't get out of its own way. This so so whatever what you hand whatever you hand ringers at home might have been saying watching it on TV, in the stadium watching it, it just had a very different feel from all the different Bills letdowns that I've watched over the years, and that's because well box score watchers and people who don't like you weren't there you didn't you didn't get a feel for it in the stadium there was a very different energy than what you might have had in your own head at home. And that leads me to the pros. When you look at the positive things that this defensive di- this defense did, four players on the Bills' defensive lines with more than 13 passing play sets finished with a pass rush win rate. Jesus Christ, say that again, Chris. Pass rush win rate. In the double digits. Four different players finished with at least one tackle for loss. The Packers were over two on fourth and less than three, including that that play where we just manhandled their entire offensive line into the backfield, and just Jordan Phillips and Daquan Jones ate everyone's just ate everyone's lunch. That's it. There was no hope. The play failed almost off the snap. In the third quarter, the Bills' offense only had the ball one time, once, and they let a field goal drive with it. The Bills' defense was on the field for more than 10 minutes and gave up just three points despite being gashed on the ground by the running backs and these short dump-off passes they were running. They were the ultimate bend-but-don't-break. That sounds pretty damn good to me, doesn't it? Fine by me. 
And Oliver had a game. And Oliver looked like the guy that we thought we were getting at the end of last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Led the team in pass rush win rate. Say it again, Chris. Cause I pass can't. rush win rate. Tied for the lead in pressures on just 13 snaps in pass sets. And, they, like, they ran an even rotation. So he only got a handful of crack cracks at this on true passing downs. He was, he was behind the line of scrimmage everywhere. Tim Settle had a game. Netted a sack, betted a pass to the line of scrimmage. Like, that's the guy we thought we were getting in free agency that kind of has wavered from week to week. The reality is our front seven got gashed by the opponent's running game. And that's true. You can't deny that. Those running backs are that team's most talented players at the skill positions. And their quarterback is smart. So smart, in fact, that he realized trying to test our secondary, even as green and under-experienced as they might be, was a really bad idea. Chris, the audio. We played the Packers this week, and I was talking to Aaron Rodgers on there, and I was asking, I was like, hey, like, why are y'all not passing the ball? Like, y'all down 17 points. Why Why are y'all not passing the ball? Like, I'm not going to tell you what he said, because, you know, I'm not going to use this platform to... You know, to get shit started. But I was asking him, like, hey, like, why y'all not passing the ball, man? What you what you think going on? Not only Aaron Rodgers, but Russell Wilson and, and, and Tom Brady. What you what you think going on with these three guys? No, 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 no. I'll tell you what Aaron said. I ain't got nobody to throw it to. I don't trust none of them. I wish I could throw it to myself. That's what he said to you. Like, I don't trust these boys. <laughs> they couldn't catch a cold in a snowstorm in Alaska. Like, that's what he said. The Richard Sherman podcast. <laughs> Von Miller, Bill's defensive end, appearing on the Richard Sherman podcast. That's what he had to say. And Chris, you look at the box score and you go, oh no, I see it. I mean, for fuck's sake, Sammy Watkins? They signed Sammy Watkins. This was his first return back to Buffalo since we traded him away. Did he dress or did he go to Chippewa? He had one target. One reception for three yards, but was on the field for 79% of their plays. All these people who want to be Sammy Watkins apologists miss me with that shit. This guy is playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback and can't find a second target. That means he thinks you suck. True or false? True. All right. Like... They had no choice but to prioritize the running game. And with little choice they might have had, we more often than not decided that for him. Multiple times, if you go back and rewatch the broadcast, you can hear, uh, I hate him, but Chris Collinsworth pointing out that Rodgers seemed to be checking out of pass plays and into runs. He's like, oh, they're in a passing formation, but they ran the ball. Rodgers is again checking into a run play, probably. <laughs> like... That gashing, right? Oh, everything that they did on the ground. That 208 yards? Mm-hmm. Did it make a difference on the scoreboard? No. No. When they needed to stiffen up and get their opponent the fuck off the field, they forced the Packers to give it the ball four times. Well, their opponent could only manage that twice in the same number of drives. That's Buffalo Bills football. That's fuck you football. 
That unit is still elite. And while there's obviously going to be issues with teams that use a lot of misdirection and a lot of eye candy to try to lean on the running game, like, no, hey, we won't let you get a pass rush. We're going to dink and dunk. We're going to quick quick outlets. What a, our defensive line still have plenty of moments. Those yards after the catch allowed stats from the top of the show, yeah, we gave them nothing when they did try to go down the field. Our defensive backs, our linebackers rallied, kept all the short dump-offs in check. Our linemen created pressure, and ultimately we wrecked their offensive plans for the day. You try to play that style of football against our team, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Because it requires your own defense to be elite in response. And the Bills, nah, <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting that. Not against the Josh Allen-led team. Green Bay apparently didn't get the memo. And ultimately paid the price for it. We should be celebrating that instead of sitting here and nitpicking that it didn't go perfectly. Oh, this this didn't go well and that didn't go well and they gave up too many. Who gives a shit? Like what? What are we talking about? I'm furious that there are fans out there who think that there's something to nitpick for the Bills in this game on defense. Do you have any complaints? No. I thought they were fine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's what I've got. I've got a new metric for tracking how the Bills do during home games. Beers thrown in the concourse. I've been to three Bills home games this season. And in that time, I've twice seen fans of the teams we were there blowing out, throwing a fit in the concourse. Last time, it was a Steelers fan who decided that he tried... Chris, the guy was coming out of the bathroom during the second... Can he pick an interception? Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm leaving. And then the cop at the gate was like, you can't walk out with a beer. And he just turned around and kicked it as far as he could. He punted the beer. And it was awesome to watch. Sunday. Sunday. I watched a Packers fan. And it's even funnier because it's a Packers fan wearing a Maple Leafs hat, which... They're winning right now, 2-1. to one. Well, Of course they are. But for those of you who don't follow the NHL, uh, the, the kid's taking a double L because the Leafs are kind of like the Packers a mess, right? Yeah. They're a, four, they're a 500 team? Mm-hmm. Okay. He threw at least a third of an $18 beer across the concourse and stormed out of the stadium. He wasted $6 worth of beer while what looked like Chris tears in his eyes. 
yelling, I fucking had it! After he was, and I could tell what happened. He got excited when Josh Allen threw that interception. Mm-hmm. As I'm coming back from the pisser, on the very next play, Matt Milano picks it off. Yep. And it just broke this kid. <laughs> he had nothing left. And he's just, like, first of all, don't be the guy who gets caught crying in public at a sporting event. That's a bad look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monday when Brett and EJ came over to do the podcast, they uh, EJ sent me a text that they were here and I opened the garage and went out there and I told I told Brett, I was like, there were a couple plays last night in the game where I said to myself, it's almost as if Matt Milano knew that Brett Coleman was here. <laughs> That's right. Like, with some of the plays that he was making. Matt Milano's pointing up in the stands going, Brett, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> he knows that Brett does the annual, like, every time we play Kansas City, it's just him going to national media talking about Matt Milano and how yeah. great he is. Yep. He's pointing up to the stands to where Brett's sitting in Section 315 going, you see that, boy? I got you. <laughs> I see you. <sighs> Guys, don't be the kid who gets caught throwing beers in the concourse, right? But as far as that stat goes, on Sunday it was Packers fans one and Bills fans zero, which I think is, Chris, that's the best case scenario, isn't it? Yes. It's a pretty positive sign for our team. I'll have to get with Eric Turner from cover one and see if we can't develop this into a real, like, a real trackable metric, maybe make some charts. Either way, I'd rather be in my shoes walking out of the stadium that night than theirs. And that's what ultimately matters. Now, I'd be remiss if we didn't point out James Cook sighting, just the way our running backs responded. We talked about how this weekend could be the deciding factor as to whether or not the Bills running back room sees a major overhaul. Right? Yep. Like, depending on how they go against a really bad run defense, like, maybe they don't make a move. Maybe they make a move with some gravitas, like a Josh Jacobs or a Kareem Hunt. Or maybe they trust the growth of the guys they have on hand. Even with the trade for Naheem Himes that we all know, I keep calling him Himes. I can't stop it. Hines? Hines. Like Hines Hines like the ketchup? Like Hines Ward. Or Heinz Ketchup. Heinz Ward. The thing I remember Heinz Ward. It's funny you say that. The thing I remember Heinz Ward for. It's not a touchdown. It's not a, I remember the time that, like, this is how bad, like, this is how rough the AFC North used to be. And actually, this plays into what we're about to talk about later to end the show. The AFC North was hyper competitive. The Ravens, the Steelers in their prime, the Bengals trying to get into that group of the Ravens and Steelers. Do you remember when the Ravens and Steelers matchups were must-watch TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? There was a play where Keith Rivers, he did something. I don't remember what, but it was enough to incense Heinz Ward. Keith Rivers is a rookie linebacker. Heinz Ward gets called, like, hey, he, he basically went to Ben Roethlisberger, who's a young quarterback at the time, and goes, hey, give me a crossing route. And when he does, he goes by Keith Rivers and just breaks his jaw. I like it. That's how football used to get played between contending teams. Yeah. Now was, he's, listen, I'm, he's out, the, I'm out here to beat your ass. He's coaching in the XFL now. <laughs> that doesn't shock me. He's coaching the uh, San, Anton- San Antonio franchise. So even with the trade for Hines, 
you've got to be pleased with the way the Bills' rushing attack showed up. I mean, look at Devin Singletary. 11.7 yards per attempt and a, what, a, a, a pair of missed tackles. Uh, every time he ran off right tackle, it was great. Spencer Brown is our more athletic option at right tackle, but Questenberry is pretty steady. And you watch Devin Singletary thrive when going off right end and right tackle in this game. 11.7 yards per attempt. Didn't get much going on the other side of the line because Preston Smith is a monster. But James Cook was able to beat that guy for seven yards in a first down. And James Cook found similar success rushing at Rashawn Gary on the right side, the same way uh, Devin Singletary did. 17 yards, another first down. He had three f- missed tackles of his own, two coming on his single 17-yard rush, another on the aforementioned first down to the left side, which showed you that Cook has that agility. And I think he's starting to get it. You could see it start to click. He didn't get a ton of carries, but the ones he did, he finally made them count. He didn't put the ball on the carpet. He wasn't tackled at the line of scrimmage. He made game-changing, chain-moving plays. And then there's the big, the, the big one. The 41-yard catch and run, which is everything you drafted him to be. It was just a chef's kiss. Catches the ball short, uses contact balance at first hit, breaks the first tackle, and then just runs away and around guys down the football field. They combined for five of the team's nine rushing first downs, which is pretty good when you figure Allen does a lot of that work himself. As a tandem, they quietly ground out 102 yards on 19 carries against a team that sold out to stop the pass. If not for some untimely turnovers in the second half, they probably have better statistics, and they probably get at least a score. I don't know. That's the t- isn't that the type of single the singletary consistency you've been looking forward to? Yeah. Be the steady guy. You don't have to be a game breaker. You're a third round pick. I don't expect you to be Ezekiel Elliott. What I want you to be is a guy who can make a couple plays for me, and don't make mistakes. Singletary was all of that. Cook gave us a spark. You can't be mad about any of that. There's a reason that this matters. The Bills have gone for over 100 rushing yards four times. Uh, like, and well, first of all, they've done it in every single game this season, and they're tied for 10th in the NFL with San Francisco for rushing first downs per game. In 2021, they were held to under 100 yards four times. They lost every single one of those football games. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Indy, New England. We talked about the second half for the Packers. Now, most teams that shrink, like George Costanza in the pool in the second half, they probably get killed scoring just three points and turning the ball over twice. Look at the look at look at the Lions. The Lions scored 20, what, 27 points? 27 points in the first half against Miami and lost the game? That's crazy. But that's what happens. It's the NFL. If you don't make plays, you get beat. Having a solid defensive effort and a functional rushing attack is what allows you to get away with that. So while our offense wasn't great, while Josh didn't have his best night, that that second half is one that he's going to go back and watch the tape on and want half of those plays back, half of those throws back. It didn't matter because the the rushing attack was steady enough to keep the clock burning, 
keep everything moving and force our force our opponent to not only become more desperate in their passing attempts, but also try to put up points while fighting our secondary and the clock, which I think is massively important. So while everyone wants to sit around and go, well, there's game-changing rushing attack. No, no, I don't need that. I need steady. And I like the growth and consistency we saw. Those were my biggest points of the night. And that brings me to the hero and zero of the evening. Starts the hero wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a, just a big, hairy American winning machine. Chris, is there anybody on offense on in that game who made a bigger impact than Stefan Diggs? No. Well, Josh, well... It's hard. I, every week I'm used to saying Josh Allen. Yeah. You're used to saying that. Yeah. But could you maybe make an exception in this one? Yes. Okay. Stefan Diggs, like, 100-yard game. 100-yard game. 100-yard game. This guy's, like, his his games this season, he's been incredible. He's He's been held under 100 yards twice. Once against Miami when his body literally wouldn't let him out on the field for the last couple couple series. Uh, against Baltimore, when they said they would take him away. That, that, that was their whole game plan. Take away Diggs. Well, nobody else has been able to do it. 100-yard games across the board. He had another one on a night where there was a lot going on. Which we're going to talk. Well, you heard it at the top of the show. We're going to talk about it to close the show. But realistically, he was the heart and soul of this offense. I think he was the heart and soul of the entire team. I think everybody fed off his en- energy. And we're going to talk about wine a little bit. But first, I want to bag on some of these losers, which are the people slandering Tremaine Edmonds. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. I wake up. Chris, I'm hungover as shit. I ate a whole cheese tray. Do you know what that feels like? Just lays in your stomach. <laughs> it's like you might as well just eat a yeah. brick. It lays in your stomach the same way that your extra skin just lays over your belt line. I almost just spit a beer all over this place. That's hilarious. Listen, that's what happens when you lose, what, I was 348? I saw... Now I'm 205? Yeah, I'll take that. I saw one... And I'm not getting 10 grand with a surgery. Pfft, you can deal with it. I saw one and Nate Geary retweeted it and I and I read the tweet of Tremaine Edmonds being bad and I was like, "Nope, I'm done with Twitter for now." Yeah, I'm not you, you have to log off. I woke up, opened it up and saw that Eric Turner is beefing with some guy who's tweeting about how this game shows that he doesn't have, quote-unquote, true middle linebacker instincts, and that he's a liability. And Turner's like, prove it. Say, back up the thing. He's like, I'm not going to fight you until you can back this up statistically with tape, with something. And the guy responded with, well, why don't you give me your video logins and I'll find you some. He goes, no, 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 you don't get to be lazy. Go do the homework and come back and talk to me. I'll tell you what I know. He led the team in run stops. He was by nature of the Green Bay offensive attack the most targeted defensive player. Eight targets for 44 yards and a pass breakup. He was basically involved in the uh, Tim Settle pick 
or, or no, no, no. Wait, was that the uh, Matt Milano pick that didn't happen? They called uh, it off? Probably. Almost a pick. Anyone bitching about the job that he did couldn't have been paying attention when Preston Brown was our, our middle linebacker. When he was allowing more than six and a half yards per target for this team for years. And his average tackle depth was five to seven yards downfield. There's no way that anyone who hates Tremaine Edmonds could have been watching that guy play and said, Chris, can you imagine a world where there's idiots out there walking around going, you know who I'd, you know who I'd like back? Fuck this Tremaine Edmonds. I want Preston Brown back. No! Why? Because they don't exist. It's not real. And if they do, those people, like, I've got drain cleaner you can come over to my house and drink. I've had enough. You all need to get over yourselves. This elitist attitude towards a linebacker who's working his ass off and who you don't understand what his assignments and his responsibilities are. Knock it off. <sighs> Chris, it made me so angry. So angry. Yeah, I... I'm, I've been on Nate Geary's Twitter trying to find that tweet that he retweeted. Ugh. But well, I'm going down to be, too far. It's, it's hard because he's a diva and he tweets a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got to get all his food takes in. and <laughs> His awful food takes? Yeah. Like, who made him and Bruce Nolan arbiters of what is good food? Bruce Nolan doesn't believe in seasonings. Nate Geary thinks that if it doesn't come from Toutant, it's not good. Like, yeah, what? and then don't forget uh, Ryan Sullivan. Oh, he's God. got horrible food takes, dude. There's so many people here. You know what we need to do? Off season show, food panel. We get everybody together. A food panel. I like it. Food panel. We get everybody together on Zoom, and we all just pick. Like we talk about this. Yeah, I can't find it. I was looking for it. No. It was it was bad. It was like the guy even was like questioning, like, "Bro, do you even watch football?" That's hilarious. Yeah, no, no Nate doesn't watch it. He just does this job. Yeah, a professional broadcaster about the sport. No, he's not watching. Is that Iman tweeting out that he has old Forrester and Dorito and party sized Doritos in this economy? Yeah. Oh, it's what his stepkid got him for his birthday. Today today is Iman Azizi's birthday. Q42 barbecue. Iman Azizi of Q42. Happy birthday, brother. Big shout out to you. And also, your kid is great. She knows you. She bought you whiskey and a party-sized bag of Doritos. Look. That old Forester 1920 is good. I got Dude, the 1920 almost, is good. Almost a bottle. Uh, I got probably got like a fourth of a bottle left. Yeah, do you know how you got to a fourth? It's because I hit this. Oh, I hit that thing like a split hog. <laughs> I've had it for I've had it for over a year. I know, and I just keep taking I just keep taking rips off it. Uh huh. Final thoughts, Chris, before we close this one out. Final thoughts: Walking away from this game, I being will, there and seeing it in person, just the day, the weekend. Well, that was my last regular season game for the season. Maybe Minnesota. We'll see. Depends on. Something with blue wire um, that we can't talk about. I'll be back for a playoff game, hopefully the AFC title game, that we'll have at 6.40 in the evening. We'll get the late game so we can pull another 16-hour shift. But it was amazing to have all of those people out there 
Jason brought me the farm stock rye, delicious. Kyle Washington from Las good, Vegas. Isn't it good Brett to put a EJ. face to that guy? Like, you haven't talked to him the way I did. We talked about it. We told his dad, and his dad was disappointed. Like, not disappointed, but he just laughed and shook his head. Because I was like, you know what? Kyle and I, after the Baltimore Ravens game in 2020. Yeah. All of a sudden, my phone starts ringing, and there's a Facebook vid- messenger video call request from Kyle Washington. So I accept it. He's hammering in his bathroom, smoking a cigar with the window open. Because he's like, well, this is good. <laughs> and I'm hammered in my basement, just trying to make, I'm trying to make just, just enough noise that my wife still knows I'm awake, so she won't come downstairs, but not enough that she'll actually complain. And I was like, this is a match made in heaven. You and me can jabber at each other all fucking night. I love it. Yeah. Yulberg came up, got to see him. Dude, he was good. I'm, I'm so happy to see him, get to meet his dad, like. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It was a great time. Great. One of the better tailgates that we might ever have hosted. Um, Short. Ec- excellent. Excellent win. Onto the. Onto the Jets. Another win. Another game closer to the AFC running through Buffalo. All right. So strap yourselves in because I got kind of a. I got a whole thing here. You better not cry. No. No, in fact, there's no tears. In fact, I'm getting two more beers out for this shit. Good. As long as you don't cry, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, yeah, because you, you don't have any emotions. No. You're, you're a robot. One of the dumbest lines of questioning and conversation that came out of this game for me, like, it's so absurd that I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Like, if you're a guy who's ever, like, I don't know, especially as it relates to what might be one of the biggest talking points of this whole game when you look past the X's nose, like, uh, for a game against a non-conference opponent, this game got pretty nasty. It got heated. There was just a whole different attitude about this game from both sides. Specifically, and oddly enough, from the Green Bay Packers which any relatively smart fan recognizes as desperation and disappointment manifesting itself physically. I mean, it started at the onset of the game. There was jawing between Alexander and uh, Stefan Diggs from the moment they came out of the tunnel onto the field for warm-ups. Alexander has a late hit on Stefan Diggs after his touchdown grab when he wasn't even covering him. That almost sparked a brawl. Rookie linebacker Quay Walker gets ejected for shoving a member of the Bills uh, Bills team who's not even dressed. There's a practice squad guy. Yeah. And almost hitting head coach Sean McDermott in the process, which left him so emotional after the game, he literally excused himself from the postgame locker room early with tears in his eyes and without answering more than a question or two, according to PackersNews.com's Cassidy Hill. She said he he talked for about three and a half minutes and then just got teary-eyed and said, I I don't want to answer any more questions. And just picked up his bag and left. A hard tackle on Stefan Diggs. Remember when I shook you and I was like, oh, fuck, he's hurt. Yeah. Okay. That saw him leave the field to play for it. And he walked off. I thought he was hurt. He shook it off and came back. A whole lot of extracurriculars. And a lot of shit after the whistle that led to Gabe Davis. Now, what do you know about Gabe Davis, Chris? Seems like a generally good dude, right? Yeah, what did uh, Stefan Diggs say? 
a couple weeks ago on, I don't even know what he was talking, but he said, he was asked, uh, a teammate who you would let date your oh, sister. Oh, because of that Vikings video yeah. where they said they wouldn't let yeah, and, him date. And, gave, and he said, Stephon I wouldn't. Diggs date their sisters? And Stefan Diggs said, I wouldn't let Gabe Davis date my sister. That's all I know about Gabe Davis. What I know is that the guy's never had a personal foul in a game before for unsportsmanlike conduct until Sunday. And it was, he hit that dude. He lowered his shoulder and was just like, fuck you after the play. <laughs> Late in the fourth quarter, and it was a play. And the crazy thing is it was a play that knocked the Bills out of field goal range at a time in the game when extra insurance points would have been nice. Like, it was a harder-nosed game than most people probably expected from teams that almost go the entire length of a rookie contract without seeing each other on a football field. And in the aftermath, Chris Brown is on the radio on Monday trying to have a legitimate conversation with former Bills linebacker and should-be Hall of Famer Steve Tasker about whether the extracurriculars and the way Buffalo... Did you just call him a linebacker? No, well, special teams player. He was a DB. Totally different. Yeah. He was also a wide receiver. Wide receiver? Yeah, you didn't know Steve Tasker was a wide receiver. Holy fuck, I've gone my whole life thinking he played linebacker. The way he hit people, I was like, oh, that's tackling. That's tackling. Now, like, you're the human missile. Everyone that's listening to this Moment that has... Twitter. No, 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 no. In my no, pride. No, no, no. Everyone that has Twitter listening to this just... You can't let Drew live that down. No, that's that's all right. That's shameful. It is. No, I just watching the way he hit. I just assumed that he was a linebacker. God, wow. That that makes this even more poignant. Hang on. <laughs> He's trying to talk. Chris Brown is trying to talk to Steve Tasker about how if the extracurriculars and the way Buffalo players responded would give some other struggling NFL teams a soft target of sorts. Like, well, if we can get chippy and push the envelope on what is and isn't acceptable on the field of play, they might be able to get an advantage over Buffalo. Now, I didn't listen to his entire response because realistically the question's dumb, but the dismissive tone that he took right out of the box... I'm already certain I know what he said. I didn't have to listen to it all. Because, Chris, I've watched a lot of Buffalo Bills football, and so have you. We've seen some shit, right? Mm -hmm. We've watched the Kansas City Chiefs team that's played incredibly physical with our wide receivers and thrown some cheap shots at our quarterback en route to victories. Correct or incorrect? Correct. We've watched Patriots teams that for the better part of a decade would clutch, grab, cheap shot, and then just take after the whistle liberties while physically just punishing our team on route to some really dominating wins. True or false? True. I go back to the LeGarrette Blunt game in 2013. He had 334 all-purpose yards in that game. There was like an 84-yard kick return there was just uh, like multiple 30 plus yard touchdown runs meanwhile 
their defensive linemen are fighting with Jerry Hughes on the sideline, and one of their offensive linemen literally headbutted Nigel Bradham off of his feet after the whistle with no flag. The drought era Bills constantly got bullied. True or false? Always. Intimidated mentally, and then physically, and ultimately, they just kind of slunk away with an L on the board and their tail between their fucking legs. But anybody who's ever played a contact sport knows that when your opponent decides that they're going to, when they're going to take, when they're going to pull that kind of shit and the refs aren't going to blow the whistle, there's no one coming to save you. So it's on you as a team to recognize that someone else has raised the competitive bar and you got to meet it. Even if that seems out of character, even if it gets you in trouble, even if even if it comes with more trash talk than usual, and maybe that becomes the focal point of the game. You cannot get bullied in the NFL. And the best teams know that. Now in thinking about this, I go back to the I go back to 2018. I want to take you back, Chris. You were there with me. Yep. Sean McDermott at the podium after a rainy, cold day against the Jacksonville Jaguars with blood on his hoodie from somebody, <laughs> from someone, talking about how he was proud of this team, not just for standing up for themselves when the Jaguars players left the bench to start a fight in the end zone, and then pushing back when pushed, but how they rallied behind that and dominated the Jaguars in all three phases for the last five minutes to get a win. I remember him on that day being like, this team does not get pushed around at home. There'll never be a, like his message was basically, that will never be the team that I coach. Then you look forward to the end of that season. Season-ending game against a soon-to-be-fired Adam Gase. We're a cheap shot on our rookie quarterback by a linebacker who used to play for our team, Kiko Alonso, who was summarily ejected along with a few of our players after a giant fracas broke out and a fistfight led to just... what? Oh, Chris, see if you can pull it up for me. How many consecutive points? In fact, I think I can find Let's race. I think I can find it faster than you. Well, what do you want me to get? 2018. Bills All right, then. Pro football reference. What are you looking up? I want to see how many consecutive drives we scored touchdowns against the Dolphins after that cheap shot. Because the final score was 42 to 17. <laughs> like the game was tight. Tempers flared. And this team rose rose up and responded. Okay, so here we go. End of the half. Buffalo comes out of the tunnel in the in the in the second half, and then the chief shot happens. Touchdown. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown. Meanwhile, in the second half, Miami scored a single field goal. Like our team raised their competitive bar when somebody challenged us. We go back, we talk about culture building all the time here with the Buffalo Bills. Nobody talks about this. This team has gotten tough. And it started with the moment that Sean McDermott got here. 
we aren't the team that gets bullied anymore. And you can see it. You can see it in the way Josh Allen, realizing what kind of game this was going to be early on. He takes off on a 20-yard run, jukes Darnell Savage so hard that he jumps out of bounds, (laughs) doesn't touch anybody, runs down to the one-yard line and gets smacked out of bounds by two players. And instead of trying to fix his jersey and get it back around his shoulder pants as he's getting off the ground, he immediately just looks and starts talking shit to the defensive players closest to him. You could see it in the way that our defensive line, as Von Miller admitted, under siege in a way that they hadn't expected, rose up and just bullied the offensive lineman from Green Bay when it mattered most and kind of made their offense toothless. You could see it in the way Stephon Diggs, Still jawing at Green Bay defensive backs after almost every single play if you watch it in real time. You could watch him calling for the ball down the field a number of times after that fracas in the end zone, including a bit like in the fourth quarter. They still were taking deep shots to Stephon Diggs. They, they would be absolute daggers in the fourth quarter if he, he had connected on either one of those passes. But they were trying. Why? Because screw you guys. We think we can get you. I don't care how tough you want to get with Stefan Diggs. He doesn't care either. Let's go. We will challenge you to the end. You could feel it in the way he addressed the media after the game. Just casually dropping F-bombs and pointing out that it's not just his it's not just that cornerback. It's any cornerback who wants the smoke. They can get it. And it's not just from him, but from the whole team, because he and his teammates aren't out here looking for silver linings, personal accolades. What was his quote, Chris? There's no moral victories. Yeah. W's. That's what matters. That's what, hold, that's what holds gravity and weight in the minds of Buffalo Bills players for the first time in a long time. And now they have the elite talent to really go chase them. Everything else is secondary. And whatever it takes to get there is what they're going to do. They proved in that game that they're not the team that gets bullied by anybody. You want to come in here with a bad attitude? Fine. We will make you pay for it. We will fight you toe-to-toe, frame-for-frame, down-for-down, quarter-for-quarter until it's over and we walk out of here with the win. And you can go tell the media that, oh, I ended it, he ended it. He goes, I don't give a shit. I got the win. I don't want to hear about anything else. And the rest of the AFC had better be aware of that when they step on the field with our Buffalo Bills. God, it is fun to be a fan of this football team. I could sit here and talk about this for two more hours, but we got to get the hell out of here, Chris. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.